What happens when you retire from sports and it wasn't actually your choice? In this athlete story, I've invited former competitive dancer Chrissy Papetti for a chat about retiring from sports when you're nowhere near done with it yet. Maybe you've experienced this because in fact that's a very common scenario that either injury or lack of results or lack of finances make that retirement decision for you as an athlete. And that can lead to this sense of unfinished business that you have to deal with somehow in life after sports. And we'll dive into that together with Chrissy today. But she works as an occupational therapist and we'll get into what that means later. But she also offers coaching solutions to former dancers and athletes using the tools from her work as an occupational therapist combined with her personal experience as a dancer. Welcome to the Athlete Story Podcast. Your chance to tap into wisdom from athletes and experts in world-class sports. You are about to be taken into a chat about sports careers and related issues between an awesome guest and your listening host, the sports insider, repurposed Olympic mogul skier, and former freeride world tour athlete, Anya Bobia. If you haven't already done so, I hope I can count on you to give Athlete Story Podcast a quick supportive review in iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to it. Now, the home base for the podcast is on athletestory.com forward slash podcast. This is where I post all the episodes with the show notes and the relevant links and video version. So if you want to share this podcast with anyone, the easiest is probably to just share athletestory.com forward slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you directly and to get in touch with me, you can do that on athletestory.com or you can connect with me. Anja Bolbia on social media or on Skype, and that's A-N-J-A-B-O-L-B-J-E-R-G. Finally, you can also find Athlete Story Podcast on Instagram and IGTV, or simply Athlete Story on Facebook or Pinterest. So now that that's out of the way, I look forward to connecting, and let's get started with the show. So let's meet Chrissy and hear how she experienced retirement from sport when she could just no longer keep pushing through the pain and no longer deny the career-ending consequences of a severe hip injury. Hi Chrissy, welcome to the show, Athlete Story. Hi. I'm so glad you could make it here today. I know you're a former dancer and I'm really curious as to what is life like as a dancer. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be here and kind of tell an athlete story through a dancer perspective. So I guess I can just start from where it began a little bit in that, you know, dancers typically start from a young age. So I've been a self-proclaimed dancer since I was two years old. And just kind of as I did it over and over through the years, I got more serious about it and joined the competitive dance world at a young age. So I was doing all the things, ballet, jazz, hip hop, tap, everything, and really found my way through tap. I sort of specialized in that and trained under the best people in the Northeast area, actually around the country right now, um, Mike Minnery, Anthony Morgerato. And so as I sort of trained under them and specialized in it, I actually got the opportunity to compete at the World Tap Championships when I was 16 um, and represent the USA as the only soloist in the finals. So that was really... That's mm -hmm. right. Is that tap dancing? Yes, tap dancing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, which 
you know, people know of, but there are, it's really cool because people typically, I feel like, think about the Gene Kelly, you know, Broadway, kind of Fred Astaire tap, which is incredible and kind of where it came from. Um, but my background really is in more of that Huffer tap, which is a little bit more musical and, uh, you know, more syncopated um, and a little bit more street tap, as people would say. So um, that's kind of a little bit of my background, but I had that really cool opportunity at a young age, but ended up moving through um, and majoring in it in school, uh, competing in it until I was um, injured in college. And that was kind of where my dance story, unfortunately, had to um, end. We're going to get back to that. But um, how, how do you compete in dancing? Is like, is there judges? And yeah, I suppose there's judges. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, it depends kind of what uh, realm of it you're in. But if you are a competitive dancer um, at a young age, there are bu a bunch of regional competitions around, um, in your area. And then there's like national competitions over the summer that you qualify for. You compete with a studio. So there are group dances that you compete with as a team. You can compete as a duet or a trio. Um, and then there, of course, are solos where you can compete in like the tap category, the dance category, by your style. Um, so, yeah, there are a bunch of national competitions held around the country, um, but there are a few that kind of stand out amongst the rest that have a very high level of quality um, of dancers. And so I ended up competing and um, being trained at a studio in New Jersey that took it really seriously. So we would compete every year at the American Dance Awards. Um, yeah, and then when you go to the college level, there's um, a college competition called um, UDA, um, and the big college um, dance teams sort of meet and compete in uh, palm, jazz, or hip-hop. So that's kind of how it works out. All right. Yeah. And uh, is there like a typical uh, way out for dancers? Like, do they usually become dance instructors, or how does that work? Now, I know I know you had a career-ending injury, so maybe that wasn't a choice for you. But is there like a typical path for a dancer out of sports? You know, it's funny. Um, there really isn't like a typical path. I think um, people end up, you know, not wanting to lose it, and so they become teachers and maybe studio owners and sort of raise and train the next generation of dancers, which is awesome. Um, and you can also become a professional dancer in a few different capacities. So you can be in professional companies around the country. Um, you could be in, you know, a national um, or, you know, a ballet conservatory where you train a little bit more in that space. Um, but you can also, you know, be a professional backup dancer for some big names like um, Lady Gaga or <laughs> Beyonce, which is super cool. Um, so you can be in music videos. You can be in ads like Nike or, um, you know, certain commercials. So you can really um, pave your way sort of in different spaces. But I would say it's more the commercial route, mm -hmm. which is the um, bigger celebrities and commercials or you can kind of go the more um uh company route where you Artistic. perform every year around the country yeah, yeah with right. a specific company right right you, you had to end your career because of an injury to the hip right yes yeah, yeah. so i i tore my labrum in my hip um my the beginning of my junior year of college so like I kind of alluded to earlier, I was a dance major and also a part of the Michigan dance team at the University of Michigan. Um, so I was dancing pretty much 24-7. 
So it's kind of no surprise that I ended up facing an injury. But um, what was interesting is my injury was uh, like misdiagnosed for two years. So, you know, they were saying, oh, it's a groin pull. It's a, you know, hip flexor strain. And so I was getting it treated as that, but it really never, the pain never really subsided and nobody could really figure out what it was. So as all good dancers do, I just pushed through it and, um, you know, danced on it, danced on a torn labrum for two years. So painful. Yeah, <laughs> not exactly the most comfortable. Um, and that sort of, that was really tricky because I had to make some really hard decisions during that time of, you know, letting up a little bit on the intensity that I was dancing, you know, choosing not to compete at nationals with my dance team senior year, choosing, you know, to sit out of certain dances as a major. Um, and it, it took a, a really big mental and physical toll on me during that time. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. So um, all this time you think that the pain is going to go away one day and that you can get all back to where it was before and, and you keep going like that for two years. Exactly. Um, and that was kind of the craziest part was, um, you know, I felt, you know, you, you're hoping, you know, you're going to PT, you're hoping physical therapy, you're hoping it's going to get better. Um, and it really didn't. And I never truly rested, you know, so it just kind of kept persisting. So once I had time to actually rest and the pain still wasn't getting better, I got it properly diagnosed as a right hip labral tear. And so when I actually went to the proper doctor, he was like, it's torn off the bone and it's black and blue. And, you know, I really just beat it up. Um, so the best route really was surgery. So in the midst of my master's program, which I can talk a little bit about later, I ended up getting hip surgery, of course. Right. So, um, I, in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, yes, I'm not dancing right now. I'm kind of going down a different path, but once I get the surgery, the pain will go away and I can do what I want to do. I can, move my body again the way I want to. I can maybe dance again. Um, and so I had all these hopes. And so once I got my surgery and took a, a full year to really recover and, and rehab, I, my pain was still there. Um, it was a little different, but it was very much still there and it was really discouraging. And when I went back to the doctor, they were like, your surgery looks fine. Maybe you just need some more time. And so a whole nother year and my, my pain persisted. So it was really um, kind of, I came to a head of realizing that I can't continue to live my life waiting for the pain to leave. Um, it was just always like, my life is on pause until the pain goes away. And it just didn't, it didn't work. So I had to really figure out how to live despite the pain and kind of conquer that from letting the pain control my life. So that was a really big turning point for me in my story. So how did you manage to finish your major if that wasn't dancing? Um, so I actually was able to finish it out. Like I said, I sort of pushed through it. So um, even though I had to sit out of certain pieces, that was really on my terms. So I still finished the classes I needed to take. I still um, did my um, senior concert, which is where I choreographed a dance with um, a bunch of dancers. And I also performed a solo so I still finished it out. It was just, uh, you know, pushing through the whole way there. So it was, it was tough. Wow. Yeah. And so now the big question, do you work with this today? Today? Oh, good question. Um, so 
I always say that I love that I did it um, because it really set me apart when I was moving into the next phase of my life, which was to get my master's in occupational therapy. And having that background in dance and also anatomy and physiology, I sort of combined um, the creativity and, um, you know, just movement understanding that I got through my major and applied that to how I operated as an occupational therapist and, um, and how I work with people, you know, today just on their movement fundamentals. So I still tap into that major. Um, but it's so interesting when you major in dance in college, because you're like, you're either going to use it to become a professional dancer and keep going, or maybe you teach or you kind of just find a new path. So mm-hmm. That's sort of what I did is I fused it in, but it's not, um, I'm not professionally dancing to this day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell us about occupational therapy. How does that work? Sure. So um, the best way I like to describe occupational therapy is that it's a profession founded on the concept that how we occupy our time directly influences the state of our health and well-being. So that's a really broad definition, but OT is is really broad in, in what we're able to do and the domain that we kind of cover in our profession. So um, basically, you know, the things that we take for granted, right, like dressing ourselves, brushing our teeth, uh, taking a shower, those are all things that occupy our day that influence our health and well-being, right? We can take care of ourselves. We feel good that we are independent in those things. So if you... Um, have a stroke or you you know have a heart attack and it impacts your health and you're no longer able to be independent in those everyday activities your health and quality of life are going to significantly decrease and so occupational therapists come in to sort of um, analyze the performance of these tasks so you know what are they able to do what are they able not able to do in the task itself how does their environment support them to be able to do that task and um, you know, what are the circumstances of their health that are impacting that? Mm -hmm. So we're kind of problem solvers. I mean, break down the situation, help rebuild it. So people are more independent um, and well in their, in their everyday lives. So I kind of gave a very medical example, but it can also span to mental health and working with people just on their general health and wellness too. Yeah. Yeah. We had on the show, um, a guy called Matthew Wetzler. Mm-hmm. He was a, an extreme skier and, and also liked all kinds of adventure sports. And he had a really bad accident where he actually died. He drowned. And then he ah. was revived on the beach. And he, But he wakes up in a, <clears throat> two days later in this facility where he's, he's paralyzed from the neck and down. And he tells how he used art and... and uh, that whole side of occupying his mind to to help him heal and he he's actually uh doing really well uh, today doing arts and and having wow. regained a lot of movement and he does it very visually by doing his art with uh with weights on so that his art pieces are kind of like visual uh something that you can see the 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 fatigue and the hard work that it is so oh, I, I love guess that's that. a form of occupational therapy wow yeah I, I mean I'm sure in his um journey of recovery he ended up working with occupational therapists because um you know physical therapists and OTs kind of work hand in hand to help 
um, people post spinal cord injuries, which he he had, I'm assuming, with his um, you know, being paralyzed. So yeah, we we you know go from the fundamentals of what do we need them to basically do, right? I'm sure he needed to first learn how to sit up at the edge of the bed, right? The most basic of things, um, or even roll from side to side in his bed to be able to move, um, and then progressed all the way to what gives your life meaning, you know, what is something that's going to, um, make you feel like you're, you're living your best quality of life. So once he was able to do those kind of fundamental everyday activities, um, with more independence, then it's like, yeah, like tapping into the art, tapping into the different ways to, that you can use your body to express yourself, um, in new and interesting ways. So I love that you shared that story. That's uh, it's so empowering. And it's so, um, rewarding to be in this field because you really see incredible stories like that of people who bounce back and and start their lives over in a new way yeah. well he also actually um gives thanks to his athletic mindset for for believing that he could have an impact and change things through practice and through persistence and um so, yeah so absolutely how have, have you felt have you used anything from your athletic background into to finding this new way in life and dealing with that pain that you had for so many years and 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 finding your new path in life yeah no absolutely I think um, athletes um, and dancers are just uniquely positioned from just a young age um, of really cultivating this certain type of mindset and work ethic right um, like I said in some ways it can in some ways it really helped and supported me. And in other ways, um, it kind of created some challenges along the way. So like I said, you know, I pushed through the pain, you know, and I kept going. That's a very athlete kind of mindset to not want to give up and to sort of, um, push your boundaries, right. And push your limits and what you're able to do. But in my recovery, it was, it was critical that I had that background because I never truly let myself give up. And, it's that persistence um, that I feel like really makes the difference in sort of an athlete pushing through challenges and setbacks and barriers and, um, and somebody who maybe didn't have that exact experience. But um, personally for me, I found that when I was able to, throughout my recovery, as I was going through my master's, the fact that I could get my master's and still have that goal oriented, um, you know, part of my life, while I was still rehabbing the physical aspects of my my injury, um, I think that made such a difference because as um, athletes and, and dancers, we we have that goal-oriented mind. We want to be working towards something, improving something, learning, um, just bettering ourselves and growing. And the fact that I was able to do that in another capacity, I feel like really kept me afloat during my recovery process because, oof, is it – like challenging and demanding when your body isn't um, recovering the way that you want it to, or um, you're not able to use it as you always had. So I feel like that really kept me afloat during those times. And uh, I completely attribute that to my, my dancer and athlete mindset. Right. Yeah. Now, um, I, I ended my skiing career the first time around due to a, a one injury too many and I had for many years after this feeling of unfinished business that I, I so wasn't ready to let go of the skiing at that point. 
And um, I know that I think it's even more people will leave sports at a time where they don't decide to than actually people who say, okay, it's, a, it's, it's done, I'm, I'm good, time for something else. So I think there's a lot of people leaving sports with this kind of unfinished business feeling. How have you dealt with that? And did you, did you feel it the same way? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You like totally struck a chord with me because I talk all the time about how when I had a, a dance career ending injury, um, I, it wasn't on my terms to your point. It wasn't on my terms. I felt like I was not in control. It was happening to me and oh my gosh, that just so hard to grapple with. And, and that's a great way of putting it. It really was unfinished business. Like I didn't get to choose to end this career I don't really want to let it go that's a side of me that I don't want to really let go yet and so although my body was telling me another thing um, I think that completely attributes to where I am today and what I'm doing now with my time and in my career which is being a life redesign coach for former athletes and dancers specifically those who felt like they were pushed out of their role as an athlete or dancer, whether it was injury or timing or circumstances, um, who, who felt like it really wasn't on their terms. Because I feel like that comes with a whole other psychological component than being able to, you know, say, I'm gonna retire now. It's still a completely difficult transition, but you're not, it's not not ending on your terms, you know? And so um, that was a huge piece of my. I think fuel to my fire of why I'm doing the work that I'm doing today and working with these um, dancers and athletes because it, it it's just a whole other layer of challenge when you move into that next phase to overcome so that you are able to find what your purpose is again. I mean, what your identity is as athletes. You are wrapped up in your sport. That is your identity. That is who you are. You don't really explore yourself much outside of that while you're in it. So who are you once you're pushed out of it? Who, what, what's your purpose now um, that you're not working toward these goals in your sport or your art? Um, and kind of what does your lifestyle look like now? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're not attending practices. You're not attending, you know, um, these training sessions anymore on, on somebody else's terms or being guided by a coach. So how do you now reformulate what your life looks like now that you're not in that anymore? So those were kind of the areas that bubbled up for me. Um, but definitely I can relate a hundred percent to that feeling of unfinished business. And then there's, um, this whole, um, situation of what do other people expect of me and how am I going to fit in and who am I without my, uh, tap dancing shoes or whatever. So that I know that's a big issue for many people, and I know it's it's being almost more dramatized by by actually the people who love us the most and who care the most oh, yeah. for us because they're like, what is going to happen to her now that she's going to stop skiing? How is she going to go into the real world? <laughs> and, <laughs> right. Um, my my point when I uh, try to advise athletes on on this is is don't don't uh, buy into that because it's not like your world wasn't real and uh, it's it's not like it's uh, if you're a student 
you have a you have a teacher you have a uh, schedule you have a structure you have uh, tests and you have the same as an athlete none of it is this world that where you are working but it's not unreal it's just a different right. phase so Absolutely. Uh, i i think that helps to 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 know that you it's not like you're starting from scratch oh my gosh yeah no i know and i think it's so true is that it it is its own um you know type of career and that it just it requires so much out of you physically and yeah it's not your typical nine to five by any means um but at the same time oh my gosh does it prepare you for pretty much anything and I feel like sometimes athletes and dancers underestimate just how prepared they are to take on pretty much anything that they want to and they're like well I don't have this formal degree or I don't have this um you know, maybe extensive education behind them for something. But I think especially nowadays with the the internet being what it is, you can really make a future for yourself that you find fulfilling and that it is completely legitimate and brings you in an income. And I think it's it's really amazing how um how well athletes and dancers are prepared to take on the next chapter. And I think I agree that sometimes either they or the people around them can underestimate just how ready they are for that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any? What, what's your What's your first step when a when a dancer comes to you and says, "I I feel a little lost. I know it's time to stop dancing, or I got kicked out because of an injury or whatever happened." Yep. What Where do you start? So I think um, the number one place to start with these types of experiences um, is self-awareness, which sounds a little bit random, but if you don't understand what it is you're going through and why you're going through it, how are you able to, to move forward, right, effectively and, and in a place where you feel confident in, in moving forward? Um, I think sometimes athletes feel like they, they kind of need to push on and they're not really ready to yet. And then they end up facing a lot of resistance and they don't really understand why. And there are actual transition phases that have been researched um, and studied that show that people are at different readinesses for change and, and different stages to grieve their identity and different stages to just transition from one phase to another. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's, the most important place to start because if you know where you're at in that transition and where you are in your readiness to change and where you are in grieving your previous identity, um, then you can actually leverage where you're at to, to move forward properly. And, and you can actually normalize your experience and be like, oh, okay, like I'm supposed to be going through a, a phase of denial right now and feeling like I, I don't want to accept the fact that I have to move on. And that's okay. You know, I felt like I was so weak for, you know, not accepting where I was at when it was happening. And, um, you know, I went through a lot of denial. I was holding on to anybody and anything that would tell me that I could still do it and I wasn't hurting my body, you know. Any physical therapist that was like, well, you can keep exercising. You're not hurting it, but you may not heal. And I was like, all right, well, if I'm not hurting it. <laughs> and so I was kind of gripping onto anything during that phase. But it's so it was so eye-opening to be like, oh, okay, I was supposed to go through a phase of, toying with that denial and not really accepting where I was at. So I think, um, you know, not I think, I know that that's where I start with every dancer um, that I work with. 
um, in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I find this whole concept of the phases to be really helpful. I, even, even when you're, when you're doing an injury, you know, well, there's, there's this phase and this, and then you expect to come out on the other side <laughs> and right. for any major life change, it, it just helps to have this, okay, this has got to be one phase. I'm, I know I'm going to get out of it so that you don't right. see things as this is uh, everlasting, uh, the way it's going to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like that, that also just empowers, um, dancers, right. Or athletes right from the start, because it's like, this is where you're at. It's going to take time, but this is the best way to move through this phase. Um, but know that this one's waiting for you when you're ready to step into it. And it's not just like, I'm, forever just going to be hanging out in this limbo of not knowing where to go um, and not knowing what to do. And so it's empowering to just know, you know, people can tell you, you know, push the, you, you know, you'll get there, just give it time, give it time, you know, and like, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it just kind of is in one ear and out the other, because you're just kind of like, how do you possibly understand what I'm going through right now? But as a former dance dancer and competitive athlete, you know, I, I went through those myself and I can confidently say it's a process and I can help you with where you are now to move forward along that process as you should and as you will as a human being. This is how our behavior typically works um, so that you ultimately feel like you can move forward and, and, and rebuild a life that you are fueled by and that drives you and that incorporates some of those components of your athlete life but now into the, the new phase that you're in yeah and then I, I, I think and this will go well with the occupational therapy I suppose that um, then you don't have to wait till you know you, everything is in line and you can you know exactly what you're gonna do you gotta go out there and, and take that one step and do that one thing and try this one and on that journey, you, you, you're going to find your way. And, and it's like in sports, you didn't have everything lined up for you when you, you when you started. It's, it right. takes that little bit of, of trial and error. And... Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I love that you said that because that's exactly how I treat it is um, I actually compare the levels of transition to levels of sport um, from level one being a beginner and level five being an elite athlete because it is exactly the same like when you were a beginner in your sport you you were going through certain things of your own then you didn't have all the tools you didn't have all the skills yet um, but you put one foot in front of the other to learn and it was slow progress but and maybe you weren't even sure if it was right for you yet but you had to work through that right and so I love comparing it to that because it's a really tangible thing for athletes and dancers to hold on to when they're like Oh yeah. Okay. So like, I'm not in this like horrible, like, Oh, I'm in level one. I'm at the bottom. It's like, no, you're just at the beginning of this next journey and you're going to progress through it just the way you did from day one of your sport to being an elite athlete. So I, I love that sort of analogy for it. Okay. So do you, uh, when you work with athletes and dancers, do you use any of the occupational therapy methods or is that something you yeah. apart? Yeah, so I'm coming at it as a title of a coach um, because I'm sort of taking um, different methodologies and fusing them together to make 
an ultimate service, but um, I'm credentialed in OT. That's my background. And so I do use um, my evaluation process through the eyes of an OT because we really look at the whole person, like literally every facet of their environment, their who they are, their skill sets, their, um, you know, occupations, you know, what they do every day um, that occupies their time. And I really love the component as an OT of how we break down those pieces of a person to really then figure out where's the dysfunction, what's preventing you from feeling um, like you can do the things that you want to do right now. And so I use that evaluation process and it completely guides the way and my eye and how I look at um, where people are at and how to progress to where they, they want to be in their goals ultimately in life and their lifestyle. Um, I think specifically that lifestyle component is what essentially separates me from my work with former athletes and dancers to maybe somebody else because as OTs we have um, specific background in looking at all the components of what make up a lifestyle and how that influences somebody's health and well-being. So I think that's such a big part of an athlete that they may not necessarily consider when they move to that next phase is, oh my gosh, like my lifestyle is my fitness, my eating routines, my financial disposition, my spirituality, my social relationships. All of that changes when you move out of that phase of your life. Even if you maintain some of it um, to a degree in your own way, it, it changes. You know, you're not seeing the same people in your training sessions anymore. That Those were your social relationships, right? You're not working with that coach anymore. And and that kind of flips your world upside down. And I feel like looking at it through the eyes of a lifestyle can be really helpful for people to rebuild those fundamental blocks that help you feel like you're living a life on your terms again. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of this. And um, if there should be someone out in your area around New Jersey and they want to uh, meet up with you or have a talk with you yeah. about, about all this, how can they reach out to you? Absolutely. So um, you can find me at um, www.chrissypapetti.com. Um, you can also find me. My handle on Instagram is at Chrissy Papetti. Um, pretty straightforward. And if you wanted to email me for whatever reason, it's also on my website. But you can call me uh, or um, uh, plug in Chrissy at ChrissyPapetti.com. But I, I love connecting with um, other former athletes and dancers in the space, whether it is that they are now helping other athletes as well. Um, similar to what I'm doing, or whether they find themselves sort of in the thick of that transition and not really sure what to do next. Um, what I do in my role as a coach is really help people find their next direction in life, as simple as that. And um, I totally encourage anybody who either resonated with my story or wants to talk about it further or just needs an outlet to sort of express what they're going through, um, please feel free to reach out to me and, um, you know, I also just want to say, I know I talked a lot about the transition phases earlier. I'm coming out with a quiz next week. Um, I don't know when this is airing, but <laughs> it'll be out by March 4th, um, which it'll just be chrissypapetti.com slash quiz. And it'll actually pinpoint exactly what level of your transition that you're falling into and then how to leverage that level to sort of move forward, like I was saying, and kickstart your journey to really figuring out what you want to do and what your life, what you want your life to look like in this next chapter. So I'm super excited about that. I'm hoping it provides a lot of value to former athletes and dancers out there who are wondering where they're at now and, and where to go next. 
So thank you. Excellent, Chrissy. I'm so glad to have you be part of the Athlete Story community and uh, hope to catch up soon. Thank you so much. It was such a privilege being on here and I appreciate you giving me a platform to talk about my story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Athlete Story. You are awesome. If you are yourself a world-class athlete or former, don't hesitate to come over on athletestory.com and check out more free stuff and resources to help you thrive in and benefit from your sports career. Dare to prepare. Then get yourself out there. Stay in touch.